This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. When I was just a small child, my mother and my oldest brother and I stayed with an aunt and uncle. Dad was in the Navy for the duration of the war, and so that aunt and uncle helped to raise me and to raise my brother. That uncle would get the Bible down at night and he would read to me out of it. He would tell me to go get the, the big book. I didn't know the word Bible at that time because I was so small. But he began to read the Bible and that caused me to have a great love for it. And I love reading the Bible. And I'm sure I'm speaking to a lot of people right now just exactly like that. You love to read the Bible and you love to hear the Bible taught and preached. But is the Bible true? Why do we believe the Bible is true? We want to talk about that today. Please stay tuned. I'm Billy Lambert and I'm the speaker on getting to know your Bible. And I want to thank you for tuning in to watch today. Please stay tuned because we're going to tell you how to receive a free Bible correspondence course. We've been offering this for a long time on getting to know your Bible. We want to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. The Bible is the greatest book in the world. It is the greatest book in the world because it is the book inspired by God. And it has lived through the centuries. You know, time is a sifter of books. That There was an expert in the realm of publications who said that a, if a book is a good book, it may last for a year. If it's, a, if it's an extraordinarily good book, it may last for five years. If it's a rare book, it, it may live, live for 50 years. Well, time has sifted books, but time has not sifted the Bible. This, this ancient book that is hoary with age, weighed down with antiquity, it's, it holds the centuries in its bosom and it braves the storms, bears the criticisms. And really the Bible is stronger today than it has ever been. The Bible is God's Word. It is the, takes the sting out of death. The Bible takes the pain out of parting. It is the pillow on which martyrs rested their heads. And it is the fountain in which saints through the centuries have refreshed their souls. The Bible, God's Word. In Psalms 119, verse 89, the psalmist declared, Thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in the heavens. Why can we believe the Bible is true? 
And I want to give you three lines of reasoning today why I believe, why you can believe, the Bible is the Word of God. Suppose you're walking down the road one day and, and something goes by you and you look down and it's a, it's a little rubber ball that, that's bouncing right beside you and it goes on down the road. A little while longer, you're walking down and, and, and there's another ball that comes and another ball that comes. Would you not conclude that someone's throwing rubber balls at you? You said, I think I would. Well, you see, that's what you call circumstantial evidence. And we're going to look at some circumstantial evidence that, that points to the fact that the Bible is God's Word. But first of all, it just seems to be the Word of God. There's no other explanation for it. That's seen in its circulation. It's the most widely known, widely read, widely distributed book that's ever been written. According to the British and Foreign Bible Society, there are between five and seven billion copies. Now, I published a book, and I can promise you that I've never published that many. Just a few hundred, few, maybe a couple of three, two or three thousand. But the Bible is the number one seller every year. So it just seems to be more than just an ordinary book from the standpoint of its circulation. Then there's the preservation of the Bible. That seems, it makes it to seem to be the Word of God. The Bible has emerged from the fires of persecution unharmed, mingled with the blood of those who died rather than deny its truths. It is not just a man's book. It's God's book. And it's not, it's not any way to explain that. It's preservation other than it's divine in its nature. In Matthew 24, 35, Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. In other words, my word is going to last forever. In John 10, Jesus said, my, in verse 35, incidentally, Jesus said, my word sh shall not be broken. In Matthew 5, 18, he said, one jot or one tittle and not pass me the law till it's all fulfilled. But I like what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 24 and 25, when he said, the word of the Lord endures forever. So you see, it just seems to be the word of God but from the standpoint of its circulation, from the standpoint of its preservation. Now, there have been attempts to destroy the Bible. In the Old Testament, we read about a king by the name of Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim tried to destroy God's word with his penknife. He cut the scroll with his knife and then he cast it into the fire. But it still lives. Epiphanes of Syria in 175 B.C. tried to destroy all copies of Jewish scripture. Diocletian declared that it was a capital offense to own a Bible. Can you imagine? It's just another attempt to destroy the Bible. And then the medieval church, 
felt that the Bible should not be in the hands of the people. There was a man by the name of William Tyndall who wanted to get the Bible into the hands of the people. And he had it printed in English, but because of that he was killed. And, and, but before he died, he said, Lord, open thou the eyes of the king of England. Open up his eyes, Lord, that he may see. That was just an attempt to destroy the Bible, but it continues to live. And then there's the, the skeptics who deny the Bible and want to do away with the Bible, even in modern society. There are those, if they had their way, would take all copies of the Bible and they would burn them in the public square. A man by the name of Thomas Paine wrote The Age of Reason, and he said that it took 12 ignorant men to establish Christianity. And he was going to show that just one Frenchman could destroy it. He said he thought that his book was going to replace the Bible. One thing's interesting about that is many years after the death of Thomas Paine, his house was bought by the Geneva Bible Society, and it was used as a storehouse for the storing and distribution of Bibles, the very book that he said was going to be replaced by himself. When you think about how the Bible has been preserved through the centuries, it's just hard to believe that it's anything other than the Word of God. But then it is also seen in the way the Bible originated. It originated in the mind of God, given through the inspiration of God, and the Holy Spirit was sent to guide men into the revealing of truth. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And then Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20 that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Listen to Matthew chapter 10 verses 19 and 20. And when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that hour what you shall speak. For it is not you that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. So the Holy Spirit was the responsible speaker. He guided men as to what to say and how they were to say it. So the Bible just seems to be the Word of God. But another line of reasoning goes like this. The Bible claims to be the Word of God. Now that's the second ball that we're looking at. This is the circumstantial evidence we're talking about. It just seems to be the Word of God. The very nature and contents of the Bible are such as to leave no doubt as it being God's Word. For instance, in the prophets, for over 1,300 times, you read such expressions as the Lord said, the Lord spoke, or thus saith the Lord. In all of the Old Testament, such expressions are, as, are, as those are found some 2,500 times. There's a very interesting statement made in the book of Exodus, chapter 4 and verse 2. 
And, and God is speaking to Moses. He said, Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. That's inspiration. That's where God gives the message. In 2 Peter 1 and 20, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Some say that Shakespeare was inspired to, to write his works. Well, that's not the kind of inspiration we're talking about. He had an idea, he had a notion about what to write. But God breathed the message. That's what inspiration is all about. It is a God-breathed message. God's word just claims to be true. Jesus Christ endorsed the Bible. Do you realize that? He even endorsed the Old Testament. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 44, Jesus said the things that are written about him in the law, in the Psalms, and in the prophets must be fulfilled. In the Old Testament alone, there are more than 300 prophecies about Jesus Christ. And Jesus said those things have to be fulfilled. And, and Jesus endorsed some of the accounts in the Old Testament that, that men questioned. For example, Jesus endorsed the story of the creation. In Matthew, the 19th chapter, where the subject of marriage was under consideration, Jesus was talking about some of the things that Moses taught. But Jesus went back to the creation, and Jesus mentioned that very fact. He endorsed the creation when he was talking about marriage. Jesus endorsed the story about, uh, about Noah and the flood. In Matthew chapter 24, he said, For as in the days of Noah were, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. By making that statement, Jesus endorsed as being true the story about Noah and the story of the universal flood. Je Jesus endorsed the story about Naaman, uh, who was a king, was a, was a leader, a military leader. But, but Naaman had leprosy. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 27, Jesus said there were many lepers in Israel in the days of Elias the prophet, and none of them was healed saving Naaman the Syrian. Just Naaman. Jesus endorsed that story about the healing of Naaman. Jesus endorsed the story about Lot's wife in Luke chapter 17 verse 32 when he said, Remember Lot's wife, Lot, as he was fleeing Sodom was told not to look back, but his wife looked back, and she turned into a pillar of salt. You see, Jesus endorsed these accounts that are found in the Old Testament. He even endorsed the story about Jonah being swallowed by a whale. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40, he said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, even so must the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jesus said the Bible is true. These things that are in the Old Testament that many people say are, could not possibly be true, could never have happened. Jesus said they are. It actually happened. But Jesus not only endorsed the Old Testament, he endorsed the New Testament before it was ever written. That's amazing to me. 
In John chapter 16 and verse 13, Christ said, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, now that's the Holy Spirit, he shall guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he heareth, that shall he speak. Jesus Christ endorsed the New Testament before it was ever written. See, the Bible claims to be the Word of God, and Jesus put the stamp of approval upon the Bible. The Old Testament. Old Testament is composed of some 39 books. Someone says, I, I wish I could remember that, Brother Lambert. I can never remember how, bo- how many books there are in the Old Testament. Let me give you a little simple way to remember that. Count the number of letters in the word O. There are only three. Count the number of letters in the word testament. There are nine. Three, nine, thirty-nine. And then there are twenty-seven books in the New Testament. And, and someone says, well, how am I going to remember that? Count the number of letters in the word new. There are three. And count the number of letters in the word testament. There are nine, and nine times three equals 27, 66 books in all. And so Jesus said the Bible is true. But then we have seen that the Bible just seems to be the Word of God. It claims to be the Word of God. But now let's look at the third piece of evidence. It proves to be the Word of God. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, what proves it to be the word prophecy And the fulfillment of prophecy proves it to be true. It be to be be the word of the living God. Think about the prophecy about the ancient city of Tyre, found in Ezekiel, the 26th chapter, and in verse 14. And this is what God said was going to happen to Tyre. I'm going to make you like the top of a rock. It's going to be level. It's going to be smooth. And you're not going to be a place, there's just going to be a place where men will spread their nets, they will fish there. And he said, you're not going to be built anymore. And the ancient city of Tyre was destroyed. Someone says, well, I thought that there was another, when it was destroyed, I thought that they got off the coast and built another city called Tyre, indeed, but it was eventually destroyed as well. The glory and the fame of Tyre was not going to be built anymore. And then think about the prophecy made in Isaiah chapter 13 about Babylon. Babylon was a very, well, actually, uh, it was one of the wonders of the world almost. And as a matter of fact, there are things about it that are just beyond our ability to imagine. Listen to some things that were predicted about the future of Babylon. Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees' excellency shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation, neither shall the Arabian pitch his tent there, neither shall the shepherds make their fold there, but but, the, but with the wild beast of the desert shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, and owls and, uh, shall dwell there, and the satires shall dance there. 
I remember uh, a professor I had in, when I was uh, in college, and I sat under him for four years. He taught the prophets. And I, and, and I remember him talking about Babylon and how Babylon was never going to be built again. He said that the Arabians might visit there, but they would not spend the night there. They would not stay overnight. The shepherds would not go there and, to, and feed their flocks. That prophecy about the destruction of Babylon was fulfilled. But Deuteronomy 28 is a prophecy about the future of the Jewish nation. There are th three things I'd point out. There are, very, there are so many others that in that chapter, but just three I'd highlight. First of all, in verse 37, it was predicted that they would be a scattered people. In verse 45, it was predicted that they would come under siege, and indeed that happened in A.D. 70 when Titus came like a tidal wave with his Roman army against the city of Jerusalem. There were over a million people that were killed in that siege. And then verses 52 and 53 talks about unparalleled misfortune that would befall the people, that mothers would, give, would, would actually take their children and they would eat the flesh of their own children. What a horrible, horrible thought. But those things came to pass when the Jerusalem was destroyed by Titus in AD 70. Frederick the Great of Prussia was asked to give in one word proof of the inspiration of the Bible. You know what he said? The Jews. The fulfillment of the prophecies made about them shows the Bible is true. Then there's a prophecy in the book of Obadiah about Edom. And in verse 10, he said, Thou be, you're going to be cut off forever. And also in verse 18, he said, there should not be left any remaining of the house of Esau. And that prophecy was fulfilled. There's none remaining of the lineage of Esau. But then the thing that I want us to think about are the prophecies made about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just mention one, just one, of the over 300 prophecies about Jesus. The prophecy about his resurrection. In Psalms, the 16th chapter and verse 10, that the, the statement is made, Thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. Now let's fast forward a few years, many, many years, to the day of Pentecost in the second chapter of Acts. Now the spokesman on that occasion is the Apostle Peter. And if you'll note in verse 25, he begins to quote from David, one of their prophets. And in verse 31, he said, he seeing this before, he's talking about what David had predicted, and he quotes Psalm 16 and 10. He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades or in the unseen world or in paradise, neither shall his flesh see corruption. He would not remain in the grave. Jesus Christ's resurrection was predicted in the Bible. Now, as I pointed out, there are more than 300 prophecies. Some say 333. One uh, individual says there are some 400 prophecies. But nonetheless, there are many prophecies about Jesus Christ, and those prophecies came to pass. 
a man by the name of Peter Stoner said, and he was dealing with the law of probability, and he said the probability of eight prophecies about Jesus being fulfilled as they were predicted is one out of 100 quadrillion, 100 quad, eight, just eight prophecies. 48 prophecies being fulfilled as they were predicted is one chance out of 10 to the 157th power. Now that would be a 10 with 157 zeros. Now if you know what that number is, you get in touch with me because I would really, really like to know. There was a man by the name of Lee Straubel who had been an atheist and he became a believer in God and it changed his life. And, and he has written a lot of books about why we should have faith in God and the faith in Jesus and faith in the Bible. He, he took the probability of eight prophecies being fulfilled as mentioned by Peter Stoner and he tried to apply that and to make it to where we could really understand the magnitude of all of that. And he said if you were to take little tiles that were one and a half inches square, if you had enough of those tiles to cover the entire land mass of the earth, all seven continents, and if you had one of those tiles that was painted red on the back side of it, the probability of your going out on, in the, walking through the earth and reaching down and picking up that one red tile out of all of the tiles that have been scattered to cover the entire land mass of the earth would be one out of 100 quadrillion. Now, you just think about the probability of all of the prophecies of Jesus being fulfilled. I don't know of any other way to explain it other than to say prophecy and its fulfillment proves the Bible is true. And there's the marvelous unity of the Bible. The Bible has one theme. That one theme is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible seems to be the Word of God, claims to be the Word of God. Really, it proves to be the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I would recommend the Bible to you. I would recommend that you read it daily. I would recommend that you meditate on its teaching. And I recommend Jesus to you today, the Savior of the world. I would recommend that you believe in him with all of your heart. And as a believer in Jesus, be willing to say, Lord, I'm through with this life of sin. I'm going to repent of my sins. And, and I believe in you, Lord, and I want to be baptized because you said he who believes and he who is baptized is the he who's going to be saved. I want to serve you. Would you do that? I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing moments, may I encourage you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. If you're not certain where it is located, get in touch with us, and we will give you that information. Also, pick up the telephone right now and call for the free Bible course. I want to thank you for watching today. Till we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.